Hello, I want to welcome you to the Heights Baptist podcast. My name is Lee, and I'm one of the pastors here at Heights. And here at Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And so our podcast is designed to come alongside of you and help you take your next step of faith, uh, no matter what that is. And so we want to encourage you along uh, in your walk with the Lord. Uh, and maybe even to start a walk with Christ if you are not yet a believer in Jesus. And so a lot of times we talk about issues of theology, uh, culture, our lives, how all of those intersect uh, and interact. And so uh, today I'm joined uh, by my co-host, colleague, friend, uh, Pastor Matt Hogan. So good to have you back. Good to be back. So you you took a three three episode hiatus. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were here, you were, you were the tech person. I was behind the camera. You were behind the camera. You were the producer, but, uh, those, those three episodes we did was on mental health, uh, with Danielle Perrin. And, and so for those that haven't watched, I'd, I'd encourage them to go back and watch those, listen to those. I, I thought those were super helpful. Very helpful. Yeah. And so today we're taking a completely different turn from <laughs> our mental health series that we did to something radically different. Today. That's right. We are we are in full on Bible nerd mode right, for yeah. this episode. So this is our this is our theology bucket, you know. So we talk about our podcast, we do sometimes theology and culture and you know, day-to-day life. And so our mental health series that went alongside of the series I did on uh, a journey to healing. And so that was kind of our life and Uh, how that goes. But we're about to start a series called Flickering Lamps, where I'm going to go from Revelation chapter 1 through Revelation chapter 3 and look at the seven churches of Revelation. Seven churches of Revelation. So I know we have said that out loud in church. You have more than once. I have more than once. And we've had several people come up and like, ooh, we're going all the way through Revelation. (laughs) No, we are stopping at the end of chapter 3. Maybe another day in time. I would like to preach through Revelation at some point, but if I started that right now, then like Christmas season, we would be like chapter 12 or something weird. Well, and actually like that would be fine because I had a professor in seminary who who really liked, he really nerded out on Revelation chapter 12. And so he always thought that you should have a dragon in your manger scene. (laughs) So that would actually be really cool. That would actually be pretty cool. But uh, I'm not sure that everybody would get it. I don't know. The the Christmas carols would get weird. (laughs) The Christmas carols would get weird. Whole different meaning of Silent Night. You know, it's (laughs) it's just really interesting. Um, Revelation affects us differently than almost any other book in the Bible. Sure. You know, as a revelation is, it's just, it's very, very different. It's, yeah. it's the only book that we have that's really primarily focused on, on what's on things that are going to happen in the future. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting to, to know the end of the story. Yeah. You know, I used yeah. to be in a Bible study a long time ago. I was in a Bible study w- with a guy and, and he used to say it all the time. He's like, I read the end of the book and we win. We win. We win. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good slogan for all those days where we, we feel down, we get worried, we look out in the world and we're like, what in the world's going on? Hey, we, we still win in the end. So, so like you said, Revelation, when you say, I'm going to read through Revelation or your pastor's going to preach through the whole book or like I am just the seven churches, like there are different reactions to that. Very and that's why so. we're going to do the podcast episode today because today we're going to talk about reading Revelation responsibly. Right. And even though we're stopping at the end of chapter three, like, if you've never read through the book, like it's it's fantastic. I love Revelation. Like read through it. And we want to encourage our, our people to to read it. And so we wanna but when you say revelation, like 
Some people get excited and they pull out the charts and graphs and maps. <laughs> Some people break out with hives and they're like, no way, this is weird, this is scary, you know. And, and some people just pretend like the book doesn't even exist, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it, but I, I think what we've talked about off camera is the, the need to be able to, hey, this is part of God's word. Right. right? I mean, it, it, it is God's word. We need to know it. We know how to live it, know how to obey it. And so how do we read through that responsibly? So I, I think this is a fantastic um, idea to sit down and do. So, so there's two, uh, there, there's, kind of a, there's kind of a continuum yeah. of ways that biblical scholars throughout history have approached Revelation. Right. And, and, you, and you see representatives of these um, all the way back in the early church follow, fathers through, you know, contemporary theologians today. Yeah. But you have people that want to read Revelation more like a code. Right, right. And then Revelation more like a lens. Yeah, okay. And so, so when we talk about the code, let's talk about that for a minute. I'm going to use a couple big words here, if that's sure. okay. Um, so, so when you're looking at the timeline of Revelation, yeah. you know, um, a, a very important verse, I think, to keep in mind mm -hmm. comes from chapter one. Um, and, and this is what, and, and this is what it says. This is right there for the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. Yeah. And so one of the big things that you've got to figure out as you're approaching revelation is what, you know, the, the visions and the apocalypse and the revelation, all those things that John is seeing, those things that John is describing are those things that are happening right then as John is writing. Right. Are there things that are happening in the in the first century, yeah. are there things that are continuing to happen like cyclically throughout history? And, or are those things that are gonna happen far in the future, even far into our future? Right. You know, and those are, those are the questions that biblical scholars and Christians have had to wrestle with as we looked at yeah. uh, Revelation is when is all this thing happening? Right. So, so there's, there's one approach that, that we'll call the preterist approach. We use okay. this word um, back when we were podcasting through uh, the book of Mark and we were yep. talking about uh, the Olivet Discourse and what yep. Jesus had to say about the end of the world. Yeah. The preterist approach is the idea that most of what John is describing is happening in the first century. Mm -hmm. There's a school of thought that says, okay, you know, most of what John is talking about, he's talking about Rome, he's talking about Nero, he's talking about Domitian, and the things that he's describing in those visions are first century things. Yeah. They don't really have a whole lot to do with us because right. that happened thousands of years yeah. ago. Which is a way, and I don't mean to interrupt you on that, but to write to them because they're experiencing it then. Exactly. So it's kind of like, hey guys, hang in there. Here's how we get through this. Here's how we suffer well. So that's the preterist. Yes, you you're know, going it, through persecution right. yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, okay. Then there's more of a futurist approach, yep. which is this stuff is, was, is way in the future and most of what's being described in the book is what's happening at the end of human history. Right. You know, right before Jesus comes back and the, the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah. You know, that is the probably the most popular way mm -hmm. that um, Revelation is interpreted in sort of popular Christianity yeah. in the United States. So yeah. you're thinking about, you know, if a, a, you know, a generation ago, you're talking about like a Hal Lindsey mm -hmm. um, or, you know, in, in modern in modern times, you're talking about like Tim LaHaye mm -hmm. and Jerry Jenkins and the Left Behind series. Right. Right. You know, and th so so the idea that this stuff's all stuff that's still still in the future from our perspective. Yeah. You know, um, I think the tricky part as we come to the book of Revelation is 
we have a tendency to kind of get bogged down in trying to solve the code. Right. In other words, you're looking at these visions and you're looking at the characters that John is describing in these in, in these visions that he's that he has for us. And we're trying to match up who these people are. Yeah. You know? And so your preterist is saying, okay, Nero, Domitian, which Roman emperor is it that he's talking about? And they're he's trying to trying to put those things. The problem is, is that sometimes the pieces don't fit real right, well. Right. You know? Yeah. And then of course, so then if you're talking about more of a left behind series, you know, a futurist perspective, you're you're constantly looking at the headlines on the news or social media to try and figure out right. how this all fits together. And yeah. of course, sort of the assumption is we're always living in the end times. The tribulation is right around the corner, right. any minute, you know. Yeah. And, and, so, and, so, and so what, what can happen is if we really focus on the code, yeah. sometimes what we miss is the lens, right. which is that this is a letter yeah. that was written to God's people yeah. in order to encourage them and to show them how to live in the face of temptation, mm -hmm. in the face of hard times, in the face of difficulty, in the face of you know living in a under a under a government that wasn't you know that wasn't hospitable to right. the gospel. Yeah. You know, and so what I want to encourage us to do is rather than spend our time trying to find the connections, and sometimes, especially if you're looking at in the, in, in the first century and in, as a preterist, it's, it's hard to get those pieces to fit, right. you know? Oh, and then, and then when we're, we're looking at it as a futurist, it's like, we're, we're constantly looking for something We're we're seeing the antichrist around the next corner. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, and so it, it can, it can cause kind of a suspicion. Yeah. What I would encourage us to do is to look at the pattern that's laid out in the book of revelation and, and to see it and see it as a lens through which we can see the world and see that in the same way that, you know, that Rome was oppressing and persecuting Christians in the first century, and that someday at the end of time, yeah. you know, there's going to be a system, an empire, that's yeah. going to persecute Christians in the future, you know? But yet throughout our lives, whatever, whatever century we find ourselves living in, uh, to, to look to the book of Revelation as a source of comfort. Right. To know, just like the guy in my Bible study said years ago, I read the end of the book and we win. Right. You know? Yeah. And so and so to take solace in that, and then we can look at our we can look through the the lens and say, okay, how do I see the world? How do I evaluate the world around me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's helpful because when you say code, we get really stuck in like Who's the Antichrist? What is the mark of the beast? What it, you know? What does six 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 mean? And so I think the the concerning part of the futurist, and I'm a futurist. Like I, I read Revelation through a futurist lens. Um, but you know, like Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the abomination of desolation and the birth pains, and so we can run to the headlines and we're like, oh. Russia invaded Ukraine, and here comes the Eastern Army out of, I right. mean. Gog and Magog Gog and all and this Magog stuff out of his Here's yeah. this and this, you know, and, and so we're, I, I like your point. I think we can constantly try to keep putting things to make it fit what our narrative may be and miss the point of the book, right? You know, right. And, and miss the point of really the whole theme of Revelation, which 
I mean, you've already given away, spoiler alert, Matt, you know, Jesus wins in the end. That's right. But, you know, when I've read through Revelation recently, I was captured by the amount of worship that is in the book. Like, and, and you don't, at first reading, you, you miss that. And that's, I think that's the point we're kind of driving home, is if you're so like, I got to break and figure out how all these pieces fit you can miss the big themes, and there's a lot of worship in Revelation. Yeah, the you worship know, of the Lamb. Worship of the Lamb, chapter 1, chapter 4. You know, you, you get into chapters 19, 20, 21. I mean, um, chapter 7 with the martyrs around the throne. I mean, there's, there's just all these peaks into heaven. And then to read it through the theme of the justice of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see God's justice all throughout the book, evil will not win. Evil will have its, you know, its judgment. And, and so when I read through it, I, I saw those themes. And so when I got to the Mark of the Beast or the Antichrist passage, the farthest thing from my mind was like, well, what world leader could that be right now? Right. Or, you know, or, I mean, and, and I don't, I know it's a loaded topic, but hey, we're on the podcast, so we might as well. But like when the COVID vaccine came out, you know, I, I literally had some people call me when I took the vaccine and they were like, you just took the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. Or are you worried you took the mark of the beast because the government put a chip in your body now? No, <laughs> I took a vaccine. <laughs> like, I mean, like that's, but I, I think if you, there is a danger in always trying to break the code is my point. Right. From a pastoral perspective where now you're losing, you're, you're so ingrained in that. And I'm yeah. like, you know, and I explain to people, I'm like, you're never, you're not going to be tricked to take the mark of the beast. Like you're one of God's kids. Like God's not going to let you, you know, God's not up in heaven and you, oh, come on, Matt, you took the mark of the beast. Well, right. scratch him out of the Lamb's book of life. Way to go, man. I mean, like that doesn't happen that way. So it's not, you know, so I think as we approach those things in Revelation, and we see things in current day, if we're really reading it like you're saying as a lens and not so much, I got to figure out what all that means, it brings more peace and comfort. It's not so scary of a book, right? Does that make... Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and Mark of the Beast, I think, is a great example of kind of what we're talking about because, you know, for years, there have been speculations. I mean, long before there was social media. Right. Um, there was a, there was a series of movies that the left behind movies of the seventies and eighties, I can't yeah. remember what they were called, but you know, the late great planet earth and, okay. and I, I don't remember the, 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 the titles, but there was a series of, of kind of revelation theme movies that oh, came cool. out like in the seventies, yeah. um, that were popular in the, in the Jesus subculture, Christian okay. subculture. Okay. Um, similar to the way that like maybe the Kirk Cameron mm-hmm. left behind movies were popular, you know, right. a, f- a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and there was like, you know, and, and the, the Mark of the Beast was a barcode. Right. And, you know, the characters in the, the characters in the film were like, you know, well, just go ahead and get this barcode. It's no big deal. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't say 666, we promise, because it, <laughs> it was in like binary code. Sure, sure. You know? yeah. But yeah, so long before we had Facebook or right. Twitter or, yeah. you know, there's always been kind of speculation about what is this. Right. When, when, when you read the book, what you see is that God marks his people. Right. Like, 
like the the saints have been marked by God. Yeah. And then those who are disobedient, those who have rejected the Lamb, they're they're marked. They're marked. You know. Right. And so, looking at Revelation, when we come to something like the mark of the beast, you have two options. You can either obsess over right. what the mark of the beast was or what it might be. Yeah. You know, I, I heard somebody somebody uh, mentioned something about Bitcoin on one of the podcasts I listened to a couple of days ago. It was talking about like, you know, maybe that's the you know maybe the, the yeah. one world currency or right, something right. like that. Um, or, or can you say, okay, am I marked by Christ? Right. And what does that look like? Yeah. How does my life different? Yeah. How do I, how do I look different than somebody who's marked by the world? Right. Have I given my allegiance to Jesus yeah. in my, in my life, in my finances, in my calendar, in the way that I raise my kids and yeah. in the, in it's the decisions good. that I make about entertainment versus am I participating in a system? Right that has rejected, that has rejected Christ, right. you know? And I think, to, I think that's a more helpful question for us to ask ourselves yeah. than, you know, is the, is the 666 hiding around the next corner? Right, right, because Donald Duck at one point was the Antichrist. Uh, that, one I, that one I'm not familiar yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, based on like the 666, how you can break out letters and code and, you know, it's like name any world leader and they've been antichrist at some point. And like Donald Duck's one of the ones based, you know, and, but that's the point. Like, I think we can, we can get so bogged down in that. We, we miss the big themes that God wants us to see. So let me ask you this, just kind of moving us along. And, um, now I know, you know, we'll, we'll get the emails maybe on, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Should I use my Kroger Plus card or not? Like, is that part of the part? <laughs> if you want the gas points, use your Kroger Plus card. Um, Kroger's tracking you, but Satan's probably not at that moment. So they just want to get you more coupons. That's right. Uh, so um, let, me, let me shift it this way. So you mentioned preterist view. So for someone who holds a preterist view in reading Revelation, you know, so they're, the way you explain it is kind of, those are things that have already happened in history. Mm -hmm. So how do they read that in an application way of, okay, here's why I need to read the, it's, it's already happened, but how do, how do they read it to, here's how it still matters in my life now? Does that make sense how I'm asking that? Yeah. Well, I would say, okay, there's, there's two kinds of preterists. Okay. There's preterists that are more the, the biblical scholars who aren't believers. Okay. And they're, and they're basically going to say, this is, you know, everything John's talking about is stuff that already happened and it was a product of his time. Right. And so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, but those ten, those are going to be the people that don't necessarily, they're not necessarily believers. They're not trying to live for Christ. Yeah. I would say the, the other preterist view would be more the lens approach. They may have thought that most of what John is describing in Revelation happened in, in 70 day, 70, 80 or around, or, you know, around the. The, in the end of the first century, yeah. but it's still a pattern um, that for us to learn from today. Okay. And I would say most of your most of your preterists are still going to see, you know, the end of the book Romans, or I mean Revelation twenty one twenty two, the creation of the new heavens right. and the new earth. Still, parts of it would be they would consider future. Right. Right. Um, that's going to vary from person to person. Yeah. Um, but I would say that a lot of preterists would say no. There's still there's still parts of the, there's still of the story that come. are still to come. Yeah, 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 there's still things to come. But they could still find encouragement, strength, comfort. Okay, you know, I mean, you could almost, 
because I'm not a preterist. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm thinking out loud here with it. But you, if you're if you're one who thinks, all right, a lot of this has already happened, I could still read it, and then the application lens is look at how God has brought His people through these things. Okay, so then God can bring me through these things just as He's brought them through. Is that a fair application of that? I think so. Okay. Okay. And also, I mean. I mean, from my perspective, and I, I think maybe my perspective might be one that's a bit of a hybrid. Okay. I, I think history is cyclical. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, no, there, and I yeah. think, I, would agree I think that. in the same way, and, and again, we talked about this a little bit um, when we talked about the abomination of desolation yeah. in, in, in the gospel of Mark. Um, so there was a time when there was intense persecution for God's people. Right. And then there was another time, you know, right around, you know, when Revelation was being written, where God's people were, you know, undergoing persecution. Yeah. And then throughout history, there have been times where God's people have been persecuted, you know, and I think, I think, you know, for every generation, you're, you, there, there's a, you know, there, there may be a little A antichrist. Yeah. There may be sure. a little B beast. Yeah. There may be, there's always going to be a Babylon or a Rome. There's right. always going to be this godless system yeah. that, that whose values are are antithetical to the gospel. Right. And so every single one of us in whatever whatever century we find ourselves born in, yeah. we can look to the book of Revelation. We can know that ultimately God is in control. Yeah. Ultimately, the the gospel triumphs. That the Lamb uh, triumphs yeah. o- over over the dragon. Right. You know, and we and we can be called to be faithful to Him. Yeah. Whether we're talking about 70 A.D or 100 AD, or 1000 AD, or 1940s in, the, in World War I or World War II, yeah. or, you know, or what's going to happen in, in the future of our lifetime. Right, that's good. So, from a, so if I'm reading it through the futurist lens, um, one of the things I think you can think about is, man, look at what is going to happen, and then we can look in our world, you know, history and then per- present, and there's a lot of things I go, yep, I could see that happening. I mean, you know, now you ask somebody in the 40s, probably, hey, one world leader, all this, and how in the world is that going to happen? But now you look at technology and the way technology's flattened our world and really has shrunk our world down. Mm -hmm. Like I can totally see an antichrist now demanding the attention and praise of the world and people doing it. I mean, you know, like, but that's been an adjustment because of technology, the way it's changed, the way we look and view things and and so, like, I think there's there has been things that have happened where we can go, yeah, man, this is happening. And that makes sense. It's going to happen. Like, you can kind of see where it's it's pointing, mm-hmm. you know, because like you said, there's always going to be a, a godless government. There's always going to be that. And you, you see in a lot of governments it going that direction quicker than what we probably would have thought. And really in our own in our own country. I mean, there's been decisions we've made as a people in the last 10, 15, 25 years where it's like, I would have never thought we would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've, there's d- decisions that were made that I was like, yeah, but that was going to be on down the line a little bit. Like yeah. my son David was going to go through that and I was going to be much older going through that. But I, I think what what's interesting to me on on some of that is how it it feels like it, I don't want to say speeds up God's timeline, but it feels like it's accelerated right. godliness or, mm-hmm. or ungodliness, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, you see to me evil and sin like growing 
at a more rapid rate and people really turning from God in a rate that is unprecedented to me in my lifetime. Right. You know, and so, so from that perspective, as we're living that and we read it through a futurist view, how do we then read some application to where we're, we're not like pulling our hair out and we're, we're getting hives because you know, the, the end may be near type thing. Right. So, yeah. So what I try and remember is that, um, I, I really believe that the, the disciples, that the apostles and that the early church fathers really believed that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. Sure. And, and I really think that generations of Christians throughout history yeah. have always, there's, there've always been Christians that believe the end is near, Yeah. you know, and that we're living in the final, you know, and, and, and honestly, there, there's a positive about that because we want to live as people that, that we want to make the most of our time because the days are evil. Right. You know, and so there's a, there's a, there's an urgency there, Yeah. you know, but think about all of the people that have come to faith in Christ in the last 2000 years. Right. Right. And so on the one hand, we want to live like Jesus might come back tomorrow because he might. Yeah. And that's, that's actually the beauty of the, um, that's the beauty of the gospel. And that's the beauty of the fact that no man knoweth the day nor the hour Right, is that we can live our entire lives with a sense of urgency. Yeah. But also we can look back over history and say, you know what? We might be here a while. Right. And we've got work to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think sometimes we can get discouraged, you know, especially when we're kind of dealing with the culture war and we're, but we're butting up against a system that's antithetical to the gospel, that's yeah. antithetical to the kingdom of God. And we can say, oh my gosh, how much worse is this going to get back? You know, come quickly, Lord Jesus, <laughs> right. you yeah. know? Yeah. But guess what? There are people out there that need to hear the good news of the gospel. Right. And so that as, as we watch, as we watch our world, you know, move away from, you know, something that's, that, that you know, that, that's compatible with the gospels. We, as we watch our world, you know, descend further into darkness, that just means we've got just that much more work to do. Yeah. And so yeah. what I would encourage us to do is to not, to not be lazy right. about our approach to the end times. So not to say like, oh, the, you know, the place is, you know, is going to hell in a handbasket. And so, you know, and, you know, let's hurry up and have the rapture so we yeah. don't have to deal with it. No, no, no. We as Christians have to get busy Yeah. because we don't know if it might be another 2000 years. Right. Yeah. So good point on that. And I'm going to take us in a direction that we didn't talk about uh, off camera first. So that's always fun. <laughs> so we talked about reading through Revelation from a preterist. This has already happened to a futurist. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's, and you just, the way you just summarized that was perfect, but let me, let me insert this. When it comes to the rapture, you can, now you know where I'm going. You can read Revelation from a pre-tribulation standpoint, Mm -hmm. right? And then, so for those that don't know what that means is we're raptured out and that kind of starts the seven year clock. And then, you know, the events happen, rise of Antichrist about halfway through, you know, Jesus comes back at the end of the seven millennial reign, thousand years, then, you know, okay, so I know I just simplified that a lot, but the pre-trib starts clock that does the seven. Not going to discuss mid-trib for the sake of time, and I just don't think that one's biblical at all. And then post-trib, so you go through the tribulation, rapture, Jesus comes back, right? Mm -hmm. So if I read the book of Revelation through a pre-trib, lens, 
then I'm out of here at the end of chapter three. Yep. Right? Because that's where most pre-trib people put the rapture. But at, between chapter three and four, because you got the seven churches in chapter two, chapter three, no mention of the church in chapter four. So my concern on the pre-trib reading of Revelation is now all I'm doing is I'm spending time trying to break the code of recognizing when the end may be coming, getting ready for the rapture, you know. And I'm not prepared for suffering. I'm not prepared to go through this because in my mind, I'm out, right? And, and you know, I'm out of here. Woohoo, we're, we're out. Now, emotionally, I've always said this, emotionally, we're all pre-trib. <laughs> like, we're emotionally, we, we want the pre-tribulation rapture. Like, every one of us, there's not a one of us who goes, you got an option here. You can either be raptured out before the seven years or at the end of the seven years. Which one do you take it? We're all raising our hand going, you know, get us out of here before. This is one time in a Baptist church you're going to get, like, unanimity. And, like, if we're 100% in agreement, we won't want to be in the tribulation. But my concern is just that is if it's a post-trib, then I've got to read Revelation differently. Right. You know, and, and so kind of kind of walk us back through what the post-trib reading is going to look like. Oh, you really do want to get the emails, don't you? I, no, I don't. You know, it's okay. And you know what? We joke on that, but we welcome discussion. No, we really absolutely. do. That's, that's actually we, one. We're we, joking we about it, but it's one of the reasons that we're doing this. Yeah, we, we welcome discussion. We really do. We, we like this. So... so so, so the, the big answer to the question is, um, rapture is something that Paul talks about. Right. Revelation yeah. is written by John. Yeah. So anytime we're trying to locate the rapture in the book of Revelation, we're already taking two different books and trying, trying to put to them together. Them. Yeah. Now we do that in theology. We, we sure. take biblical texts yeah. and we try and put them together. Yeah. But one, the reason why there's controversy is because we're taking a Pauline idea right. and we're trying to stick it into John's book. Yeah, we're making it, we're trying to make we're it fit. We're trying to make it fit. Yeah, we're trying to yeah. make the timelines fit. Um, and in order to, in order to, to, to make it fit, you have to make, of a, make a lot of assumptions. Right. You know, and we, we talked about that um, a couple weeks ago when we did the 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 baptism episode. Yeah. We talked about our you know our biblical approach to baptism, what we believe. Well, is that we always bring we bring assumptions and presuppositions to the test. Yeah. You know, um, but I think it's important for us to be careful and be aware of what presuppositions we're bringing to the text. Yeah. You know, I you you're not going to read about a left behind style rapture in the book of Revelation. Right. That's an idea that we've brought to the text yeah. or that biblical interpreters have brought to the text. Right. You know? And so that's, it's, I'm already a little um, skeptical. Yeah. You know, of that. And that's why I think, you know, I, I, the way I read, the way, the way I read the text, I think that what Paul is describing happens when Jesus comes back. Mm. And I think Jesus comes back at the end of Revelation, right, and so I think that it, that that a that a that a post-tribulation rapture, I think, lines up better with what we see in Scripture. Yeah, you know, I think you have to do, you have to do some gymnastics with the text in order to see a pre-trib rapture. Right. Um, but yeah, but what that means is that God's people are going to continue to witness for Him until Through the very it. end. Yeah, 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 you know? and that means until the very end of human history. Right. We are going to be called 
to faithfulness yeah. in the gospel. We're going to be called to continue to make disciples. Right. We're going to be called to continue gathering for worship. Yeah. We're going to be called to continue baptizing new believers right. and planning new churches. Can you imagine yeah. planning new churches <laughs> right. in the middle of the, tri- of the tribulation? Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that's the, I, I had a, um, our New Testament professor in seminary. I, I won't forget that we were going over book of Revelation. And he was more of a post-trib, you know, guy in his stance. And hey, post-trib, mid-trib, pre-trib, we can love Jesus and all disagree, right? And so one of the students raised his hand and he was like, well, you know, I'm a pre-trib. And, and, and he asked Dr. Kellum, he said, so you're post-trib. What if you're wrong about that? And Dr. Kellum looked at him and he's like, if I'm wrong as a post-trib tribulation person, then I'm going to high five all the pre-tribulation guys on the way up to heaven and say, thanks for being right. Right. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. You know? and Buddy said, and he spun it this way. He said, but let me ask you, what if you're wrong? Hmm. And, the pre, and it's not a pre-tribulation rapture, but it's a post-tribulation rapture. So as a pastor, have you prepared your people to suffer? Hmm. Have you taught them what suffering looks like? Have you taught them, like you said, we endure to the end. We keep going no matter how bad it gets, no matter how oppressive our governments get or things that happen to us. What Christians do is they keep going. Like, that's our story. We, we always progress. We always keep pressing through all the hard times. And that's what brings me comfort reading Revelation. Because mm-hmm. I can read Revelation... And yeah, again, I'm a futurist, so I'd say, you know, a lot of that stuff's going to happen in the future. But I can read that and go, well, look, God's people still win, right? The gospel still goes out. Okay, right now, as crummy as things are for us and as hard as they're getting, hey, all right, we're okay, right? Like, we don't have to hit the panic button. God's in full control, you know? And so I love Revelation. I can read it, and it brings me a lot of comfort. You know, because, you know, God's justice, God's worship, God's people endure, you know. So, good. Closing, closing remarks. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> Hopefully sooner than later. I mean, we're again. <laughs> Hopefully sooner rather than later. But, you know, yeah. I, I think about what, Pete, what Peter says. Right. When he says, you know, God is not slow as some count slowness. Yeah. yeah but is patient and desires that all would come to repentance. Right. So I, I think if I had a closing remark, I would just say, like, let's, let's stay on mission. Right. Yeah. Let's continue to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ. That's good. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thanks. That was, that was fun. That was I think fun. that was fun. Uh, hopefully that was helpful. So, uh, and, and we appreciate you guys listening. And uh, I know Matt and I joke on, hey, getting the emails or any of that. But very seriously, you know, our, our part of, uh, of being the pastors here at Heights is to talk, is to dialogue, is to walk through these issues with you. And that's why we do some podcast episodes on theology, like Lord's Supper and Baptism and Revelation, uh, because we realize healthy discussions are, are a good part of a church. Uh, and so we welcome any of your thoughts, questions, uh, or say, hey, you know what? I don't agree with you two at all, and I read it this way. All right, great. If we love Jesus at the end of the day, 
that's the main point, right? Absolutely. And yeah. uh, and so we want to thank you so much for watching today's episode or listening to us wherever you are. Uh, we also invite you, if you are in our area, to join us in person on Sunday morning. Our life groups for all ages are at 9 a.m. And then our worship service is at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on our YouTube page and our Heights Facebook page where you can find all our digital content. And so I hope that you have a wonderful week. Until we see each other again, God bless.